Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Was that not a wonderful service? I'm telling you what, God was just, just in our midst, you know, the, his presence of the Lord was just here in such a wonderful way. Now let me ask you a second question. In the middle of just praising God, in the middle of just getting in his presence, how many of you found answers to something that you needed answers to? Okay, I see a, like, quite a few hands going up. You proved my point for tonight. Okay, now we can go home. <laughs> It's really interesting. A couple of weeks ago, I was sitting in service, and suddenly this phrase just dropped in my heart. Seek a way in, not a way out. And as we were sitting in the services, we were just worshiping the Lord on Sunday night. I went, Lord, this service is a demonstration of that very thing. Seek a way in, not a way out. And so I thought at one time on Sunday night, I thought, well, you know, is this a, is this a good place to, to sh- I mean, I haven't really, you know, processed this whole thing yet to get much of a feel for it. But Lord, I mean, I mean, I know sometimes you can just get up with just a little bit, you know, and have a lot to say. And as, should, should I share anything on this tonight? And it didn't ever felt like it was time to do that. And uh, so today, um, I, was, I was trying to just kind of think, okay, now where are we going for tonight, you know? And this kept coming back to him going, now, really, Lord? You know, really, you want to do this? And I, it, that was all there was. It was all that was on the table. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight is, is seek a way in, not a way out. You know, we all know the scripture. In fact, is let's go on over there to 1 Corinthians 10. And, it's, and it's, a, it's a scripture that means so very much to me because, you know, at least for me, there's the portion of, of this scripture that says, but God is faithful, means so very much. But God is faithful. Because I've been in so many situations where there looked like it was just hopeless. You know, there was nothing else that can be done. I don't know what the answer is. Lord, how is this going to work? You know, how, what's going to happen? You know, and I, would, and I could go to this, this scripture. And it's in verse 13 here. There has no temptation, no pressure is what I have written here. No pressure, no trial, no nothing that has taken you but such as is common to man. But, but, I love that word but right there. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able. See, some people look at that and they say, well, see, God's allowing all this, but he's, but he's not going to let it get, get any, any bigger than I can handle. No, God's not allowing anything. He's already equipped you with everything you need in any situation to come out victorious over it. But anyway, let's go on. That's another, that's another sermon altogether. Who will not suffer you to be templed above that which you were able. See, a lot of people are, I can't stop, I'm sorry. Uh, a lot of people are more able than they want to admit. They are more able because God says they're able. And they do themselves and God an injustice with the two words, I can't, than anything I can think of. You might as well just say, I won't, because that's really what it amounts to. 
Don't say I can't because God has already said you can. Now, if you come to me and tell me I won't, I understand. I think you're a fool, but I understand. So don't try this business I can't. That's, that's, that's not going to fly. But anyway, we will move on. But will with the temptation, the trial, the test, the, 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 the situation, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. You know, in the Norley translation, it says, um, so that you can come through it victoriously. See, God never intends you to come through with the hide scraped off your back. He says you can come through it victoriously. What does a victorious person look like? Somebody who's overcoming, who's got a smile on their face, they've got a song on their lips, they've got joy in their heart, they've got a defiant attitude toward the devil, and 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 full of praise to God. That's what it means to come through victoriously. And yet, we look at this verse and we go, he'll make a way of escape. He'll make a way of escape. He'll make a way of escape. And too often, we spend so much of our time looking for a way of escape. When something comes up big in your life, I mean, suddenly, it's get out all the, okay, maybe it's on healing. Get all the healing scriptures out. Get all the healing tapes out. Get all the messages pastors preached on healing. Get all this, and we find ourselves just working so hard at all this stuff because God's made a way of escape. But I'm here to tell you that there are times when what you're doing is fruitless. You're working too hard. At this thing. You know, I appreciate something that Kendra has told me, you know, going through all the things that she's gone through, is that she said she, she learned, <clears throat> she found that what she needed to do every day is to get up and say, Lord, where do you want me to put my focus today? What do you want me to do today? Do I get in the healing scriptures? Do I just... Thank you. Do I just, just praise you? Do I just spend time with you? You know, God's got a plan for every single day. Whatever your situation may be, whether it's big or whether it's small, stop seeking the way of escape and start seeking Him. Find a way into His presence, not a way out of your situation. You know, it's... um. It's easy to get caught up in it. I, I totally understand that. I mean, for, for us, you know, the last few months, you know, we've had this housing dilemma, you know, and every day, thank God, you know, we have a house. Thank God we have a house. Thank God we have a house. That house didn't manifest yet, so we moved to a rental house. But I'm still thanking God every day for a house. I don't know where it is, but I have a house somewhere. God's working on it. He's, he's providing it. Somebody's either building it or they're fixing it up really, really good for me. You know, but I know what's out there. But I refuse to make that anymore because I did for a while there. It became my focus. It became all-consuming because, after all, we've sold our house and we've got X amount of time to get out. You know, let the pressure, you know, get to me on some days. But I'm finding out that right now the best thing is to do is just to praise God. 
just, just to spend some time with him and just praise him because he's got me a house. I'm not looking for a way of escape. I'm looking for him. And that's what Sunday night service was really all about. You know, in Matthew six thirty three, and, and uh, it's so interesting that Mark has already quoted this verse. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Seek God first, and your answer will come. Your answer will be there. You don't have to worry about it. Um, You know, Deuteronomy 4, verse 29, it says, If you seek the Lord your God, you will find him. If you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Some people say, oh, I'm seeking God, but they don't have much invested in it. You know, it's kind of a half-hearted kind of a thing. You know, they don't, they're not going to invest much into this process of seeking God. Here it says you'll find him if you seek him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. That means really seek him. Will your heart, that spirit man longs to be in fellowship with God, longs to be in his presence, longs to stay in his presence. You know, and it says your soul. Well, what is your soul? Your mind, your intellect, your emotions. You can channel all of that into seeking his presence. And that's when you're going to find him and not before. You know, we think, well, God just didn't answer my prayer. Well, How much were you seeking him? God has never not answered the cry of a hungry heart. And a hungry heart is a heart that seeks him, who goes after him, who spends time with him. I read something not long ago somebody said, and 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 I'm sure I'm not going to quote it exactly right, but it said, you know, it's hard to trust a stranger. The more you know God, the more you can trust him. The more you spend time with him, the more you will trust him. And I thought, that's a short but profound statement. You can't trust a stranger. And some people are talking about God that, that he's, well, he didn't answer my prayer. That he didn't do this. He didn't do that, that. He feels so far away. Well, did you invite him in to be something more than just an acquaintance? You know, I know lots of people. And I know lots of people on varying levels. I'm acquainted with that person by name. I'm acquainted with that person because I've, you know, I've been around them some. I've spent a little bit of time with this person. I've spent, um, you know, a good bit of time. And then there is the time where I really know this person. I have really spent a lot of time with them. So I really do know them. God wants to be in that category. It's, um, let me find it here. Um, I have got so many scriptures here, and it was First Corinthians, First Corinthians three. Was it First Corinthians three? Yeah. Let me see if I've got it here in these notes. Yes, First three, verse sixteen. It says, for the temple of God is holy, which temple? No, I'm sorry, verse 16. Know you not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. 
Now, the amplified version of this says, do, not discern, do you not discern and understand that you, and he's talking about the whole church at Corinth, are God's temple, his sanctuary, and that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you collectively as a church and also individually. Now, you can say a lot here. I mean, you know, Sunday night, collectively, we were in the presence of God. But see, God has made his permanent home in you individually. And he wants to be at home in you. What does it mean to be at home with somebody? You know, it means that when you come to their house, you can just do anything you want. You can go to the refrigerator and help yourself. You can go to any of the cabinets and help yourself. You can go to any room of the house and just make yourself comfortable. You can sit down and take your socks and your shoes off and prop them up on the coffee table. You can do do anything. When you're really at home somewhere, you can do anything. See, God wants us to let him be at home like that. He wants us to let him come in and just, just be there. Just enjoy his presence. Enjoy his fellowship. Enjoy time spent with him. You know, you can be in the same house with somebody and not be enjoying their presence. That happens when I want to watch one thing and he wants to watch something else. You know, I'm the HGTV person. Holy Ghost TV, by the way. And he wants Fox News. You know, he's watched so many of, when we decide we want to be in the same room, one or the other of us has to say, oh, no, you go ahead and watch what you want. So needless to say, I've watched Fox News quite a lot. Needless to say, he has watched all kinds of home shows. (laughs) He said, it's of the devil because that gives you all kinds of ideas. (laughs) But see. If you're going to dwell together, you need to be in the same room if you're going to experience the presence of the other person. And see, God doesn't want us to let him in our house and then relegate him to some other room besides where we are. He wants to be where we are and enjoy that fellowship one with another. To be able to just be at home with each other, to be comfortable with each other, to just talk about anything and everything, to let him talk and then he's going to let me talk. You know, sometimes people do so much talking that God never gets a word in. You ever been around somebody like that? They just talk and they talk and they talk and they talk. It's like, ah, 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 ah. You know, when we used to go out to, to dinner with, with Pastor George and, and, and Miss Carol over from Chiefland, we would go to a restaurant and we would go early, like say 4.30 or so, and they, we would ask them for a, for a corner somewhere because we knew what was going to happen. About four hours later, we would walk out. And, and when the four of us got together, I mean, it was a free-for-all of who was going to get to talk. You know, and Pastor George, sometimes he'd just go, My turn? When is my turn? Come on, somebody, give me my turn. You know, but see, God wants his turn, and he's going to give you his, your turn. But he wants to be at home in you. He wants to be so comfortable there that you can talk about anything and everything. You know, those are the times when we let God in like that, that he's able just to have conversations with us that might be kind of tough. You know, t- if, if we're not going to, to spend any time with him, you know, he's not going to say, you know, you really need to fix that. 
because we wouldn't take it well. But when we spend time with him and we fellowship with him and we get to know him, he's not a stranger. He's got his feet on the coffee table and we've got our bathrobe on, our PJs on. It's a good time for God to say, you know, we need to talk about something. We need to talk about this. We, 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 need, to, we need to do some fixing right here. And it's so easy for us to receive that from the Father when we, when we do that, when we just let him come in and just be himself. And we're not trying to put on any airs. We're not trying to, you know, don't you just love it when you have friends who can come over and you can wipe all the makeup off and get your PJs on and, and don't care about what you look like and, you know, who cares if your hair is a mess, you know. What, that's, that's how God wants to be with us. You don't care about anything except spending time with him. And when we do that, we're going to find that now that we've put him first, that all these other things are being taken care of. Answers are coming that we weren't even asking for at the time because we were so busy fellowshipping with him. And yet he gives us answers. There's things he'll touch our bodies in ways. We weren't seeking that, Lord. I'm just seeking you. But see, God is such a giver. That when we get into his presence, he will invariably leave you with something precious before you get out of his presence. Whether it's an answer, whether it's a need met, whether it's just some acknowledgement of something that you're, that you're dealing with, that you're struggling with. You know, he will leave you with something precious. Because you spent time with him. You know, and if, and if the enemy can keep us focused on our needs, he will keep us out of God's presence. Do you know that? If he can keep you all wrapped up in, the, in some situation or some need that you have, he will keep you from getting into God's presence. You know, that's when I hear people talk about all the different things that are going on in their lives and they're just down and, and depressed and they, and they just, it just, it, life is just hard. Pastor Angela, life is just, this is just so hard. It's just so hard. I know they haven't been spending any time with God because when you get in God's presence, what was hard becomes easy. And yet he'll keep us so focused. If he can find somebody who, 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 who has a hard time getting their focus off their needs, he will always have needs for you in your life. Because as soon as you get one thing taken care of, something else pops up. Because, you, you know, this need right here, he has brothers and sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles, you know, all that kind of stuff. There's more family, you know, where that comes from. Anybody remember the, the episode from Star Trek, Tribbles? Tribbles or Trouble? You know, one multiplied into thousands. And if you can't keep your focus to where it needs to be, you keep your focus on your needs, it's just like those tribbles. They're going to multiply and multiply and multiply until that's everything around you is filled with just trouble, with trouble. All the while knowing that God has got your answers and yet your focus is on the trouble instead of on him. See, in here, we know what to do. Okay, okay, I've got, I, know, I, know, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. It's just not working. It's just not working. Well, have you stopped to consider that the reason it's not working so great is because you haven't spent time with the, with the one who is the answer. 
there's a question to ask. Because I know that in Psalm 1611, it says, in your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence is fullness of joy. We just sing that song, little chorus, in your presence, in your presence, there is peace. In your presence, in your presence, there is joy. I will linger, I will stay in your presence day by day. In your presence. See, I mean, that's where it's at. That's where your answer's at, is in his presence. Now, he will direct you to his word. He will direct you, you know, to, to a lot of different things. I mean, it will, it will, he will give you the plan, but it comes from being in his presence. Hallelujah. You know, Galatians 5, 16 talks about walking in the spirit. And you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walking in the spirit and all your troubles become. And it, and it becomes almost like a Superman kind of a thing. It's like Superman who went to the phone booth. You know, that's how we look at walking in spirit sometimes. You know, okay, let's go get in the spirit real quick and get our answer. You know, Superman went in there and suddenly, you know, Clark Kent goes in and Superman comes out. That's not, that's not what we're doing here. You know, we're here to walk in the spirit all the time. Not just part of the time. Not just when we have a need. Just getting in the spirit, we look at it sometimes as our way of escape somehow. But it's more than that. It is it's supposed to be a lifestyle, not just a way to find an answer, a way to escape a problem. Because you're going to always have needs, and the enemy wants to keep us engaged in those needs. He wants to use those needs as distractions to us, to keep us from fulfilling the plan of God. Well, number one, the plan to to solve those needs, to solve those problems. But it's more than just that. What do you think that God had Brother Hagen have that vision of go teach my people faith? Listen, we have got to learn how to walk in faith, stay in faith, address everything from a faith problem as soon as we see it and walk on in victory because there's more for us to do. As long as the enemy can present needs in our lives and keep us focused on our life, then we don't have time, the capacity, the energy, or the attention to give to somebody else. Amen? Lord, I know you want me to pray for that person, but I've got this big need I need to be praying about. Lord, I know you want me to gift, you want me to give so and so to so and so or to this project or that project or to this person. But Lord, you know I need that money because I have this need. You know, because your focus is on this need. The butt's in the wrong place. I know you want, but I this is. You know, it should be reversed. I have this need, but I know you want me to do this, so I will do this. Turn that thing so that the negative, you know, anytime you put a but in a situation, it negates everything that came before that word. And it emphasizes what comes after that word. And so we need to put ourselves in a place where any buts that we put into our conversation have the devil on the negative side and the power of God on the positive side. Watch what you say. It matters what you say. Don't say, I know the word says this, but. How many times have I heard people do that? I know what the word says, but they know intellectually what the word says. 
you know, just as a, as a course of memorization, but they don't know it here. If they knew it here, they would say the enemy is doing this, but God is doing this. Hallelujah. You know, in, uh, first Corinthians two, well, let's go over there. First Corinthians two, you're right close by. Hallelujah. Verse 12, we're going to read this and we'll come back to it again in a few minutes. It says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. He has given us the spirit, the spirit which is of God. His spirit lives on the inside of us. We are spirit people, spirit beings, people who should walk and live in the spirit all the time. You think, well, that just sounds so crazy. No, it's not. It's so impossible. No, it's not. You can live and walk every single day in the spirit. Because your mind is always, he was training your mind to always turn your attention toward him. And let your spirit man then receive of him that we might freely know all the things that have been given to us. When you're walking in the spirit, you will find yourself knowing so much more than you thought you could know. Being so much more than you thought you can be. Doing so much more than you thought you could do exercising authority in places you never dreamed of because you're walking in the Spirit. Hallelujah. And then in Ephesians 5.18. Ephesians 5.18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The reason we don't accomplish what we ought to accomplish each day, it's because we don't stay full. You know, I find myself getting irritated and irritable. I'm not full. You know, it may, may it's, it's not down on empty yet, but I am nowhere near full when I'm letting my emotions, you know, come out and run, run me ragged. When I'm being irritable with somebody else, when I'm, you know, you're on my last nerve. You know, I, I heard that recently from somebody. You know, oh, well, she, she, just has, she just has a problem with her nerves. I'm thinking, no, she has a problem with her flesh. That's what she's got. It's a problem with her flesh. But it says, be filled. Now, the, the, the actual connotation there is be being filled. You have to stay full. Because I'm telling you, the more you give out, the more you have to put back in. Because you're going to use up some of that. It's just like the, the gas in your car. The, the, the more you go in the Spirit of God, the more you, it's, going to, it's going to be used up, the more you have to put back in. You have to stay full of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You can be under the influence of the Spirit or you can be under the influence of your needs. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, be not drunk with wine. That's under the influence. Drunk is under the influence. We don't want to be under the influence of something that this world has created. But the Spirit of God is not something created by this world. He wants us to be under the influence all the time. If somebody can't look at you and, and, and see that there is something going on right there, what would what, you take? What's happening here? Then you're not under the influence of the Spirit as big as you ought to be. 
when things are not going good on the job site? What evidence is, is there that you're under the influence? See, I mean, I used to work for Robert and Annette Butler on plumbing, and there were times they'd send me to a job site. And, you know, maybe it wasn't just Butler plumbing people there, you know, but you could walk up and you could kind of look around and you could see, you could say, oh, Lord, somebody had something besides a sandwich at lunch. Oh, my goodness. They were under the influence of something. I've had some painters here before that were painting, and, and somebody asked me later, well, why didn't you ever use them again for anything? I said, because they were coming, they were stoned when they were working. That's why. I walked in there and left them alone for a while and come back and I went, oh, my Lord. You know, they're stoned. And I don't mean, you know, like, you know, Stephen, you know, stoned went to heaven. I'm talking about the other kind of stoned. You know, eyes are big. You know, they're kind of very too happy. Way too happy because I knew they weren't born again. They were way too happy. So, uh. So I knew what was going on. Listen, somebody needs to see you under the influence. Not under the influence of your... It's easy for somebody to get under the influence of their needs. I mean, you can see it all over. Oh, <laughs> woe is me. You know, pity party, pat me on the back. Please, somebody. I just, just, just give me... An, don't, say, don't say how are you to that person because they will suddenly fill you with the problems that they've got and they, they just want you to give them an opening. You know, when suddenly the dam has burst and you're going to hear all their troubles and all their woes. That's not being under the influence of the Spirit. That's being under the influence of needs. And I'm not just talking about people who are out in the world. I'm talking about people who are, fu- who are born again, supposedly Spirit-filled people. Well, they got baptized in the Holy Ghost. They do talk in tongues, but they're not filled today, folks. Unless I can tell the influence of the Holy Spirit is on them. Hallelujah. Anyway, hallelujah. We are called to make ourselves available to God, and we cannot do that unless we're filled with the Spirit. And when we're filled with the Spirit, then this verse back over here in 1 Corinthians 2, that the latter part of it that says that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. When we are filled with the Spirit, we, be, we have an inside track and an ability to see more clearly than ever those things that are freely given to us. We're able to see it. We're able to see the magnitude of what God has done for us, what he has provided for us, what he wants to do for us and through us and in us. Hallelujah. You know, so we, we can't put all of our ne- attention on need and give God attention at the same time. Galatians 2.20 says that it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And this life that I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's no longer me. Me is not in the equation anymore. It's no longer me, but Christ who lives in me. And that's where our focus ought to be. First uh, Corinthians 6, 9, 19 says, Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Hallelujah. And what a precious an astoundingly big price it was that he freely, gladly, joyfully paid for you and me. 
And so it's incumbent on us to to do what we know to do. And what we know to do has to move from our heads down to our hearts. People you know, say, oh, Lord, draw me nearer, draw me nearer, draw me nearer. Listen, God's as near as he can possibly get to you. He lives on the inside of you. You and him are one. You, are the, you, you have the life of Christ on the inside of you. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. He is love. You are joined together so completely, so compactly, so divinely that there is nothing that really, there's no way to get any closer to him. But there is a way to experience his presence when you put yourself in a place to be that, that, that one who makes himself at home with God's presence. Make yourself so familiar with it. Make yourself so comfortable with it that it's easy. It's just so easy. You know, it's, it's not God never moves. He never, he never strays. It's us. You know, and so how do you, how do you get into God's presence? Well, you know, I, I, found, I found some a lot of different things, and let me just go through a few of them. 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, it says, David. Okay, now David found himself in a place where the wives and the children and all of, of his, his and all of his men, while they were gone, had been taken, and they were just about ready to stone him because they said it was all his fault. You know, and so David had to, had to do something. What did David do? Before he made a move to fix the problem, it says he encouraged himself in the Lord. You need to make that a standard in your life. Before you make a move where a need is concerned, you need to encourage yourself in the Lord. Because God's got a plan. If you look over at 2 Kings 3, verse 15, you find, you find Israel's in a, got in a little pickle here. You know, and they're, they're fixing to have to go into battle. And Jehoshaphat came to Elisha. And he said, what, what do we do? What do we do? What did Elisha do? He said, it says he called for the minstrels. He began to praise God. And when he did, it says the hand of the Lord came on him. And he gave him the plan that he turned around and gave to the king. What was the result? Victory. Victory. But see, he found the plan in the presence. Hallelujah. Daniel 6, verse 10. I want you to go over there. Daniel 6. Daniel's been threatened. You know, he's going to have to, he's going to have to bow to the king. He's going to have to do all da, 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 you know, and, you know, anybody who doesn't do this is going to be thrown, you know, thrown to the lions. People were plotting against him, so they made sure that somebody was there to hear him pray to his God. You know, the thing about it that I appreciate so much about Daniel is he knew all of this. It was a need in his life. Did he pray about his need? No. It says in verse 10 here that he, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed. He's fine. Don't worry about him, Rayleigh. Um, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime, as he always did, as was his habit. He continued to pray. 
He continued to put himself in a place to experience the presence of God. So it was no wonder that when they came and they took him and they threw him in the lion's den, absolutely nothing happened except he got a night's sleep on a kitty cat. Nothing happened. He did what he knew was his answer. He spent time in prayer with God. Just spent time with God. Hallelujah. Acts 16. You know the story of Paul and Silas. They've been thrown in jail. Now, I would say we have a need. Acts 16. Being in jail in those days was not fun. It's not fun today, but it really was not fun back then. You know, that was jail for them was far worse than anything we could possibly imagine in today's times. But they had a need. Did they spend time on their need? No. What does it say? Ah, verse 25. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. Unto God, the prisoners heard them. Well, what was the result of that? Of them getting into the presence of God. And suddenly there was an earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosened. Let me tell you, when you get into the presence of God, there will come an answer. There will come a deliverance. But, you know, that's not your focus. Your focus is, I want to spend some time with my father. Hallelujah. I'm just going to spend time with him. That's all it takes. Peter was in jail. They had just beheaded, uh, was it James? And, and Peter went to sleep. The angel, when he got there to take him out, had to kick him to get him to wake up. I should say that even though it doesn't mention it, I suspect, Peter had done the same thing that Paul and Silas did. He had said, Lord, I just want to get in your presence. I'm just going to praise you. I'm just going to thank you. I'm just going to bless you. I'm going to spend time with you. I don't care what these other people are doing. I don't care what they're threatening. I'm just going to spend time with you. And he went to sleep. Went to sleep. Listen, when you've spent time with God, And you know, he's heard you, that you've spent that quality time, that you've been at home with him, he's been at home with you, you can go to sleep and not worry one thing about what tomorrow might bring. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm just resting in my father, just resting in his presence, basking in his glory, just being filled with all that fullness of him in his presence, his fullness of joy. And sleep, too, if you need it. You know, Moses acknowledged the presence of God by taking off his shoes. Jacob, in in Genesis 28, he said he recognized the presence of God. Men who were not born again. And he said, surely the Lord is in this place. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I'm God. See, you know what? There are times when that's just a good advice. Just be still. Just be still. Stop fretting. Stop worrying. Stop wringing your hands. Just stop. Be still. Spend some time in my presence and know that I'm God. That's what it takes. Hallelujah. You know, in First Kings, you know, there was, there was the, the storm that came and the wind that came. But then there was a still, small voice. And that was God. 
Sometimes we're just, we're looking for something spectacular and we miss the miraculous, the stillness of the presence of God. When he comes in, everything just becomes calm. Everything becomes easy. Everything becomes wonderful because you're saturated in his presence. Second Chronicles 20 verse 12, it says, but our eyes are upon you. There, see, there was trouble, but our eyes are upon you. All these things that were lurking, you know, they listed them. And then they said, but, and that but negated all of that. Our eyes are upon you. Psalm 9.3 says, they, my enemies, shall fall and perish at your presence. They will fall and perish at your presence. We try to do too much for ourselves. We try to figure it out. We try to come up with our own answers, our own plan, our own methods. You know, we've got our own idea of how this is supposed to work. Listen, your enemies will fall and perish at his presence. At his presence. Ephesians 3.19, go over there. Ephesians 3.19. This is in the middle of one of Paul's prayers. Um, I just Let's go back up to verse 18. May, well, let's go back up to verse uh, 16. How about that? That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. The Amplified Version of that says, that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God, that is, may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. See, now that's a picture of what your life should be like. Filled unto all the fullness of God that you might have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. We have to be careful to create an atmosphere that his presence wants to dwell in. There are times things need to just be put aside. Turn off the talk radio. Turn off the TV. Put the game things down. Whatever is distracting you. And, and decide that you want his presence. Because Paul prayed that we might be filled with that divine presence. We need to create that atmosphere. And one of the very first ways you can create that atmosphere is by looking to Jesus, looking in the right place. You know, in Matthew 14, he talked about Peter walking on the water. As long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was fine. As soon as he took his eyes off, down he went. 
Numbers 21, it says that when they, they you, know, you know the story, that how serpents came into the camp and they bit people, they died. Moses was told to make a bronze serpent, raise it up. He told people to look on it. In Numbers 21, it says, when he, that is the person who'd been bitten, looked to the serpent of bronze, he was healed. The Amplified says, when he attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze, he lived. I'm here to tell you tonight, when you look to Jesus, the Savior, the Redeemer, the Master, the beginning, the end, the Alpha, the Omega, the Rose of Sharon. He's got so many names. When you look to him attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze, you will live life to the fullest. Hallelujah. We used to sing a song. Remember this? In fact, I don't know how long it's been. Maybe it hasn't been too long. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. When you do that, you will find yourself experiencing a presence that will take you to a new place. That will take you to a different place than what your needs are trying to pull you into. You'll find yourself completely engulfed in him. You'll find yourself not carrying anything more. It says in Colossians 3, 1, to set your affections on things above. The amplified version of that said, set your minds and keep them set on what is above. And I love this. Exodus thirty three fourteen says, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. Isn't that just a wonderful picture of God? So I just want to remind you tonight, seek a way in, not a way out. You're, you're wasting a lot of precious time by seeking the way out. The way out is available. There are many scriptures you can go to. But I'm telling you what, when you seek the way into his presence, he will guide you and direct you to the scripture that you need for that day, for that moment. He will seek, He will seek, uh, send you a plan to take the next step. He will give you rest. And there is no price you can put on peace. No price. No price you can put on that. Well, you know what it's like, and I know what it's like to be in upheaval, to be in a place where you're just, you're just torn, you know, because of a situation. You're just, you're frantic. You I mean, you don't know which way to go. You know, you're just, you're absorbed in this whole event of your life and this, and this problem and the magnitude of it, and it's hard to even think about anything else. Listen, when you will find your way into his presence, all that will cease. All of that will cease. My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let's just just stand. We've got a couple of minutes. Let's just stand up and just thank him tonight. Hallelujah. Truly thank him. You know, it's easy to be distracted even in an in a auditorium full of believers. But you have to get to the place. And we found that, we will find that out more and more as we experience the presence of God as a body, that you have to tune off everything and everybody else. You just have to tune them out. They, ha- they just have to disappear. The things of earth will grow strangely dim.
even in a church service, you have to, you have to make yourself stop being aware of who is around you and what's going on, either right here or, 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 in, your, or in your family, in your life. You know, what, just, just stop. Just stop and say, no, my attention is going to be on him. I'm going to turn my eyes on him. I'm going to get in his presence. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.